A bit dodgy, am I right? <laughs> Dick Cheney, a bit dodgy, am I right? <laughs> really they went tits up on that lecture, right? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Can go get some cheeky Nando's after this. <laughs> All right, you blimey bastards. I'll see you next year. Boy. <laughs> see you next year. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy. I'm Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where three best friends submerge you in spoilers as we explain, rate slash review, and decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film. Since this is a center for spoilers, this week we will be explaining the entirety of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want it spoiled, tune out and tune back in once you've seen it. For other spoiler timestamps, check out our Instagram and Twitter at WeExplainMovies. Here's how it's going to go. We're going to start off with talking about what we watched this week move into some movie-related questions, followed by the explanation, and we're going to wrap up with some uh, watch list ads and recommendations. I did it! I did it, you guys! <laughs> so, well, watch list and recommendations! We're going to have those! Listen, it's going to be a fun time. Dark Fate's coming out soon, and I hope you guys are stoked. Watching and prepping for this episode, I just got so excited for I'm the new so movie. I'm so excited, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, me and Kayleen watched it this week. We can't wait to explain it to Kimmy. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Can you imagine if we, like, didn't come It's not out yet, you fuckers. No, I'm talking about T2. I'm talking about T2. Oh, okay. All right. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine if we, like, didn't communicate well and Courtney, like, watched it on her own and thought we were doing it together? Mm. Yeah. Are you ready, Kimmy? T2. It's my favorite of the T's. That I sounds like a nightmare I would have. Uh, okay, so what did you watch this week? So we wanted to start by talking about what we're going to be doing next week because it ties to what we watched this week. We've already briefly talked about it, but all of us watched The Lobster in prep for our collab with the Take Three A Movie podcast, boys! Boys! Uh, so that's going to be the week after this episode airs, so whenever this one airs, The Lobster will be on November 11th, mm-hmm. for sure. We will be doing the Take Three A Movie podcast format, which we explained last week. But basically what it is, is take one is we talk about our thoughts before watching a movie. And then take two is we talk about our thoughts immediately after watching the movie. Take three is us going, doing some research, coming back, discussing what we found out about the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so since we watched it this week, we already recorded take two, which was loads of fun. Yeah. yeah the fun. only one left is take three. The take three movie podcast is going to be doing our format, so please don't forget Yes. to go over to them and listen to theirs. They're so great. Oh They're my so goodness, great. amazing. And I wanted to say, which we'll say this on the Lobster episode, but if you have not seen the movie The Lobster, please, for the love of God, listen to their episode first, because <laughs> you will not understand ours if you don't listen to exactly. theirs first. <laughs> yes. And they're both being released the same day, so just like double up, have fun. Yeah. Yeah. All okay. right, what else did we watch this week? I, well, me and Courtney, we just started the new season of Castle Rock. Heck yes. Oh, is it good? It is so good. Cool. We we love that show. I love that actress. It's Janice Ian, isn't it? Yeah, it's Lizzie, Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah, she's Yeah, great. I wouldn't know that name. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. I love her. She's great. Yeah. Guess who else is in it? I knew that. It's Tim Robbins. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, did you know who Lizzie Kaplan's daughter is? In the, in the in show? In the show. Yeah. I don't think so. Elsie Fisher. Oh, cute. Yeah. I knew she was in the show. I did yeah. not know she was her daughter. They have the That's same haircut. Cute. Yes. It's so good. Okay, and then the next thing that I watched, which I can't believe I haven't told you about this yet, oh. Kayleen, but I started wrapping up Bates Motel. 
Oh, sick. Yeah. Is it because Castle Rock reminded you of it? Because I was getting such strong Bates Motel vibes. I just think, be- no, it wasn't. I, I started watching it, like, several, several days ago. Mm, far are you, like, uh, season-wise? I'm halfway through the last season. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you're starting to get into, like, actual psycho territory. Yes. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Is and- Rihanna in it yet? Yes. What? Yeah. Yes. I know, right? <laughs> I and, thought that and, she was really... And Austin Nichols from One Tree Hill is in yes, it Yes, Julian from One Tree yes. Hill is in it. He's good. <laughs> he showed up and I was like, what? Dude. You know what? This is the problem. Yes. Vera Farmiga is a, such a talented actress. Uh-huh. She's insane. The show is getting worse. I agree. The show is getting so much worse. I think she and Freddie are both powerhouses mm-hmm. and just like... Totally Just, on another level of yeah. talent, but that show has a lot of bumps for me. Mm-hmm. It is, I, I would probably never revisit it. No. But it was cool to watch it. And the, I just think the writing isn't very versatile. Mm. They keep making the main characters do the exact same thing over and over and act the exact same way. Mm-hmm. And they do it really well, but it's like, I've already seen that side of Norman. I've already yeah. seen that side of Norma. Like, they've done this like 12 times. I know the dynamic of the relationship. Yeah. So the, the, the latter half of the season is changing it up a little bit, which I think is pretty interesting, but I really think that the ship has kind of sailed on that. Yeah. Because, you know, it's it's ending. I but. would love to talk to you about the final episode once you watch it, because I do think that they did a great job of ending. Okay, great. Yeah, I am excited. That's all. Uh, so moving into what we all watched together this week, then. Uh, we watched the Hulu original film, Wounds. Yeah, that was a ride. It was a ride mm-hmm. because Army Hammer and more importantly Dakota Johnson. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that was my pull for the for the film. Yeah, uh, what did you guys think of it? It I, just really took me on a ride. That's I how I felt. <laughs> I think they had like really really good setup for like what could have been a really good movie, and then the last scene happens, and I feel like they just ran out of budget or something, and they're like, <laughs> that's it, we can't do anymore, that's it, we're the, done. The ending was sloppy, and I didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, it could have been so much better. I, I did like one film reviewer, um, his commentary on it, and he's just like, <laughs> it opens with a really pretentious quote from Heart of Darkness. Oh, yeah. And uh-huh. then ties it to a haunted cell phone. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and it's like... Yeah, that's that's the film. Yeah. You think you're going to get something really dark and gritty, and then you get a yellow cell phone that has flower stickers on it. Yeah, yeah and like, and you think you're going to be on this guy's side, because he's, I mean, he's Army Hammer. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> and then, as the film goes on, and he's your protagonist, you just wish you were following Dakota Johnson around, oh, because sure. this guy mm-hmm. is an ass. Yeah. Total I think that fart human. They really <laughs> missed out on what I think probably could have been a really good series. Ooh, oh, you know? they just have so much setup for stuff that we're never going to be able to discover. Yeah, sure, but also they just—I don't feel like they even had an ending in mind. They were probably like, not. That's, That's a it. good point. Yeah, and like I just wish they would have brought it back to the phone kids more. Yeah, we never saw them again. Yeah, yeah. we saw that one girl that one time, and that yeah. was it. Yeah. Also, a beef we had with the film while watching it. No, I was going to say this. <laughs> <laughs> Want to say it on three? It'll be these words. What uh, is it? Blank, blank is a blank. Yeah. Are you ready? Army Hammer is, is a millennial. millennial. <laughs> Don't complain about millennials when you are one. That was my favorite part of the film is when we paused it to Google how old Army Hammer is because he's like fucking millennials. And I was like, uh, first of all, those are Gen Z kids. Second yeah. of all, how old are you, old man? Yeah. He's a millennial. <laughs> 
Yeah, so we had a good a good laugh at his ass. Yeah, <laughs> that was fun. That's oh. pretty much all I had to say on that. Uh, moving on to the more important film. Oh. <laughs> okay, can we get... We're in spoiler territory, I, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. We're gonna talk about The Boy. The movie oh. that Kimmy recommended last week that Courtney and I oh. watched. <laughs> and oh, we're I, gonna spoil it. I can't wait for you guys to talk about this. This is a horror movie. <laughs> it's The Boy. So, when the twist happens... And we'll explain a little bit more. Courtney literally gets up and is running around the room and, like, jumping on the couch. And she goes, twist of the century. <laughs> when really the twist is just Phantom of the Opera. It was That's so, fucking true. It was super satisfying to watch. Oh, it was so good. Yes. So this movie is starring, what's her name? Cohen. Lauren. Lauren Cohen from, from The Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. And she's like a nanny for this couple. And how rude of them to cast this British woman and she goes to England in this movie and has to have an American accent. Yeah. It's a British film and they're like, but you're American. Yeah. yeah. She's the nanny for this older couple's son, which she finds out is like a, a dummy. A doll, yeah. Yeah. A, a like doll. a ventriloquist looking doll. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't move, but it's very, it's like porcelain face. Yeah. yeah. But then the doll starts getting up and stuff. <laughs> it, but she never sees it. No, it's it like just does she'll, stuff. She'll leave the room and it'll be somewhere else. Or she'll leave the room and it'll do something passive-aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very passive-aggressive poltergeist. And you're constantly wondering what's going on. We never see it move. And then she, once she realizes there's a spirit in it, she bonds with it like a real boy. And she cuddles up with the doll. She thinks it's her child. She gives it kisses, and she's like, I'm sorry, Brahms, for treating you like crap. But then she finds out that there's a man living inside the walls who was Brahms, who got injured in a fire as a kid. He didn't die in the fire like we thought. He was alive in the walls the whole time. He's been coming out of their walls, and then he bursts through the mirror, Phantom of uh, the Opera style, mm-hmm. and it was terrifying. He yeah. does it to kill the scary, like, ex-boyfriend, but then he uh, decides he's gonna kill the main characters. I did love, though, that she was able to reach into his humanity, yeah. though, and trick him. And I imagine that's a real thing, too. Like, I, I, I don't, I'm not a big, uh, super into true crime stuff like uh, you are, but I know that there's something fucked up in people's minds that makes them do stuff like that, and to be able to lean into it and trick them. I exactly, mean, yeah. I've very talked about it a couple times with Kimmy yeah. of just, like, there are survivors who have gotten away yeah. from criminals who by, by appealing to them in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Super good. It was really fun. I, yeah. I will say, like, the first half was very slow and boring. Yeah. But... Like, way to bring it around town. Wow. Like, it really time. held out for that ending. It I'm did. so glad you liked it. <laughs> it was a blast and a half. Yeah, super good. Moving into just one thing that I watched that you guys didn't, and I, I'm not going to talk at length about it, but it was my watch list item yeah. a couple weeks ago. I'm proud of you. The Fly, starring Jeff Goldblum, directed by David Cronenberg. <gasps> Kiki. Kiki, you didn't even watch it. I mean, she kind of did. <laughs> You never oh. even pay attention. What did you think of Brundlefly? Brundlefly? That's oh, his name. Now you don't want to talk? I asked you a question. She's, she's siding with Kimmy, I guess, because I cut this from the pod, but I said I wanted to watch The Fly, and then Kimmy goes, oh, I've seen it. I didn't care for it. Oh. <laughs> what is wrong with you? It was phenomenal. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was just... Uh, it was a great monster film. It was like a classic monster movie, 
but just heartbreaking and terrifying. And maybe I didn't watch the whole thing because I definitely saw Jeff Goldblum like start to turn into a fly and like oh he's the fly super weird. He yes he invents um, a machine that is a teleportation Mm. and so like you go in on this side and you come out on this side. Oh no, a fly comes in with him. And he didn't realize a fly was in there with him. And it was disturbing as all get out. He does do some really heinous stuff like along the way to becoming the fly, and then he turns into a fly, which is like that's off but it's also like a man fly it's terrifying um because he is super scary it's neither all the way human nor all the way fly his skin is like disgusting and peeling back i'm gonna look up a pic right now he barfs all over everything because he's got like that because that's what they do right yeah yeah and he like uses it for evil like he barfs on someone and their skin like disintegrates and their bones melt down because he's human sized it was terrifying (laughs) and so good like that's now yeah. <laughs> oh my god, he looks like, oh, like Thriller Michael Jackson video, kind of. Let me of. see, let me see. Look at his skin. Uh, I, I yeah. don't remember this. Uh, it looks way worse, ah. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. Guys, it was Courtney, terrifying. why do you show so us good. gross imagery? <laughs> I did, oh my god, is this are, one of it? That Well, that's his most... That's his most fly? That's the climactic form. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Oh my god. <laughs> Fine, I'm gonna spoil the fly now. Yeah, no, do it. Because he gets to that point, and he's so evil, oh because I'm spoiling all of the fly now. Guys, it had such... <gasps> Ooh, I'm sorry. But here's a here's like a step-by-step one. Nice. Kimmy, are you ready? Yeah, so I only got to like the second section. Only this part? <laughs> yeah. To where Ew. he looks kind of like a leper. Look at that last yeah. one. All right, you know what? It's time for fly talk. Oh! <laughs> because <laughs> this film is actually... So heartbreaking. It is amazing. And it's got kind of like a David Cronenberg. It kind of looks Rigoletto-y, and by that I mean Phantom of the Opera-y. Oh, okay. So it's it's got an allegory to it that David Cronenberg didn't realize he incorporated because of when it was released and everything. He meant to make it be about, like, watching your loved ones die of cancer. But it ended up coming out right at the heart of the AIDS epidemic. Also, like, he is with Gina Davis before he turns into this thing. And he... And he has no control over it. He has no control over it, but what's really, really scary is that she becomes pregnant <gasps> after he has reached this form where he hasn't started to turn, but he has that DNA inside of Ew. him. And it's terrifying. But then also he becomes really sadistic and evil because, like, Gina Davis obviously can't be with him, and so, like, little does he know, he became the villain of his own story. Like, he meant to be this hero scientist oh. who created something, and instead, it's like... Now I have to like spoil the whole movie because <laughs> Kayleen saw a picture that showed us to Kimmy of his final form because she does shoot him when he is in this this human form still, but instead of dying, his kind of like face peels apart and like his whole skin folds back and inside is this giant terrifying fly. Like a real fly. A real fly. Oh. Instead this, this sad, dying, completely succumbed to this diseased man she has shot him, and he grabs with his, like, fly arm, he grabs the shotgun and puts it to his head oh. and is like, please take me out. And it's just devastating. Damn. Oh my god. So watch this movie. It's so good. That's so dark. Damn. It's so dark. It's It was the best thing I've watched wow. that month. Because wow. it had so many layers to it. Wow. I loved it. And now, like, even talking about it more, I'm like, I loved it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, super good. All right. Lastly. Getting into Zombieland 2 because... Double tap. It ties so much into the movie we're going to explain. 
So I kind of want you guys to talk about everything you liked about the film, and I have a lot to say about its Terminator connections. I won't say that much. I wasn't okay. a huge Zombieland fan I'm originally like you are, Courtney. Oh, of number mean, one? Yeah, I mean, I like it. I yeah. like it. I think that it's good. Agreed. It's really creative. Um, I really enjoyed Zombieland 2. Me too. I thought it was really funny, like funnier than I thought it was going to be, which was cool. They just, they really capitalized on things that have transpired, like since the last one came out. And, um... Uber... Yes. I loved that. That was, that was very was hysterical. funny. If they try to murder you, give them a zero. <laughs> I was I told you guys Galaxy I told Brain you guys Deutsch. this already, but um Madison's character, Zoe Deutsch character, I normally don't like female caricatures, you know, early two thousands, like, oh, that's all that girls care about. They're all valley girls, they all oh, yeah. wear tracksuits, blah blah blah. Because a I think it's offensive. <laughs> yeah. Um and a and a horrendous generalization, but she did it in such a endearing way, totally. and it was so ridiculous that I think that anybody even can identify with parts of who she is, yeah. Yeah. or recognize it, or relate to it. I thought that it was really funny. And I like that at points, she isn't. Like, she realizes they're joking about her and goes, oh, you're making fun of me. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, she, it doesn't make her smart, really, in that moment. Just the fact that she can step back and have a second layer of her personality rather right. than just one. I do cool. love, like, how soft her heart is. That it's, yeah. it's to the point, you're in the literal apocalypse and you can still be like, oh, that's a bummer. I'm sorry that I lived in a freezer for the last ten years, but yeah. okay. No big deal. Yeah. She's yeah. a cutie. She was amazing. Um, I will say that just as a sequel, because I, I was diehard for the first one, the sequel, I'm I'm happy that they waited so long, because it does feel kind of like a two years later sequel. Mm. The way, you know, where it's it's not mm. as good as the original. And none um, of them look that much older, honestly. No, and it's, it's just, it's not meant to be like a groundbreaking, like we're furthering it more. It's like, you clearly are just telling the story again in a different way so that we can all enjoy it. Yeah. Because it's it's a formula, and we know it works, and they also kind of threw in some things that are really amazing, like yeah. Flagstaff being a mirror of Columbus, mm-hmm. and same thing with Albuquerque and Tallahassee. Yeah, it was I liked just them. adorable. Rosario and, Dawson was kick-ass. Yes, mm-hmm. and and why not? All the things they did were just, why not? I yeah. enjoyed it, and yeah, I, I loved it. Yeah. I did too, and that's funny because I didn't think about that till just now, but that also ties into this episode because we're doing a sequel. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so as far as, and this is, I don't think this is, this is nothing that should be considered a spoiler. There is a new kind of zombie in this movie that mm-hmm. is very powerful and way more evolved than the other zombies. They start referring to it as a T-800, which is what Arnold Schwarzenegger's type of Terminator is in the Terminator franchise. And it was very funny because they kept referring to the Terminator movies and the Terminator sequel specifically, actually. They kept saying how that's the better one and they love that mm-hmm. one and talking about... The characters in that one. But here's what I really want to talk about. Kimmy and I watched Terminator 2 the night before I saw Zombieland. You guys had already seen it. So I was very well versed in the Terminator universe. It was very fresh in my mind. That's awesome. And you know what upset me (laughs) is. I assume this is just a writing mistake, but I would love it if it wasn't. And that Columbus is just a fucking mansplaining bitch. (laughs) Oh my! (laughs) The scene where there's the Terminator-type zombies coming toward the door when they're with Rosario Dawson, and, yeah. the, and Emma Stone says something like, oh no, it's the T-800 zombies, or maybe even like T-700. 
And Columbus goes, actually, T-800 was the first series of Terminators. Not true. There was T-600s before the T-800s. <laughs> Mansplain better. <laughs> That's all I have to say. <laughs> You've been terminated. You've been terminated. Kayleen in her 80s movies, she's ready to fight any of you at any time. Alrighty, moving into questions. Questions. Number one is, what is the best movie sequel? My honorable mention, and I'm making it this because I don't want to be, I was literally just talking about it, Back to the Future Part 2. I get it. Back to the Future Part 1 is more renowned. I get the issues with number two, but it's my favorite one. And you can suck it. I like that one the best. <laughs> and it's the most fun. And Back to the Future 2 wins. That's only your honorable mention? Yeah, because my real answer is more, I guess I could go on longer about it. Okay. 22 Jump Street just <laughs> nailed the sequel. And I know that it's not the only comedy in the world to nail a sequel, but I just remember watching that, and I was so skeptical going in, as I think a lot of us are with a lot of sequels, and they knew exactly what they were fucking doing. Every time they made a same joke as the first one, they would point it out. So meta. Mm -hmm. They were like, It was hey, the most meta movie the I've The most seen. meta. Mm -hmm. So much meta. I loved it. Everything of it. Like, there was a time when they talk about how it's 22 Jump Street now because they moved across the street. And Jonah Hill goes, next year they'll probably be right back across the street next door. Like, 23 Jump Street. <laughs> and there's a part where Ice Cube has a new office and they go, wow, it's like a giant cube of ice. It's just, the whole movie <laughs> knew what they were doing and they knew what we were here for. And then they, they still had a new story, but like, the yeah, same. but the same. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. It was so funny. Who wants to go next? My answer is Blade Runner 2049. Nice. And I know that's like... Oh, okay. Spicy. Wow. I, I love know, it. I thought it wasn't really a hot take or anything like that. No, I don't think it's a hot take. I just... That's a great choice. Yeah. It, it almost was my honorable mention, but then I just went for all children's movies. Uh, Ooh. I just think that every... every We've talked about it before, but yeah. every shot is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Every fucking shot. It's not a surprise that it won Best Cinematography. It's yeah. really not. Out here waiting for Dune, am I right? Yeah. Totally. That's all. Cool. Awesome. Uh, the Last Jedi. I oh. wanted to pick that one. Oh, obsessed. Love it so much. <laughs> the The new trilogy is my favorite. Far is and it away. Really? Yes. It's, it's my favorite as well. Yeah. Well, and you haven't seen the third one yet. Doesn't matter. They can't go wrong. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, because I, I would say that probably The Force Awakens is my favorite film, but The Last Jedi is the one I've seen the most out of like oh. those two. Like I will rewatch that one in a heartbeat. The, the scene in Snoke's throne room, the red room scene oh, is what I like to call it. I know that's not what it's formally called. <laughs> Gets me every time. Phenomenal. There's just so much to, to love about that film and, and so much to hate. And your hate fuels me further. Because <laughs> 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 I get why people don't like it and I yeah. don't care. Yeah. Um, everything about it. Love it. That's really yeah. good. I would just like to put in some two cents that really doesn't even relate to the question. But if in this next movie we find out that her parent is someone important, which I feel like we're going to, and it's going to completely ruin the fact that you can be from nothing and still be amazing, fuck that. Because, yeah, why not? Why yeah. not be the strongest one with the Force who's going to bring balance to it and, mm -hmm. and maybe be like this, like, the Skywalker reign totally. when you're not a Skywalker? Because you don't need to be. And also, like, how incestuous is this universe <laughs> that there's, like, two families? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, my honorable mentions were just, like, a, a, a couple fun children's movies that I adore. Shrek 2 is amazing. Paddington 2. Oh, I've heard good Gorgeous. Things. Love it. And then I actually love The Lion King, too. I think the music is amazing, oh. and a lot of the music made it into the Broadway musical. Cool, All right, that's the first one. 
Question number two. Let me put it up. Best performance by an actor who hardly speaks throughout the film. So kind of piggybacking off that, my honorable mention is Luke Skywalker in The Force Awakens. Nice. <laughs> That's funny. Because he honor. doesn't have a darn word to say. Yes, he doesn't. <laughs> it's an honorable mention because he's not really in the yeah, film, yeah, yeah. but it was just like so iconic, him showing up and turning around, and he's such a animated actor. It was just... It, everybody felt it. Everybody of felt course. it when yeah. they saw it. It was so good. But my real answer, which is kind of a silly answer, but it's Crispin Glover as the thin man in Charlie's Angels. Freaking <laughs> great. What a good answer. <laughs> he doesn't He's so scary. He's so, so scary. scary. He doesn't wow. have any lines, does he? Just he doesn't screams? have any lines. He just screams and it smells sniffs. Drew Barrymore's That's hair. That's a great answer. Yes. Yeah. So he, good. He just kills it. He's so creepy. Almost in a sexy way. No. But Sammy's the sexy one. Get out of my lane, Crispin. Just go watch it. It's great. <laughs> yeah, he's scary. You Nobody will be worse for wear by watching the Charlie's Angels. Awesome. Okay, since Kayleen wants to go last, I'll go next. My honorable mention is Daphne Keene from Logan. Oh, I, that's good. I truly didn't think she was going to speak the whole movie when I watched it. Yeah. Um, and it's not until she gets into the fight with him in the car and she starts, you know, like cussing him out yeah. in Spanish and telling him like all the things he's doing wrong. And then her her last lines, not to spoil it, I won't say what she's saying it for, but her last lines where she delivers the quotes from Shane yeah. of there are no more guns in the valley, that really gets me. Yeah. And, oh. Yeah. It's so oh, good. Great. I know, I can feel it in my brain right now. I'm yeah. like, don't cry. Yeah, she's amazing and uh, really excited to see her in his dark materials, yeah, to see like, how she's doing as uh, like a, a little bit older. Mm-hmm. My real answer, because I've not gushed about her enough, and I haven't really talked about this movie enough, just when I mentioned uh, Best Revenge Films. Amy Adams in Nocturnal Animals barely speaks. Oh, that's fair. That's true, she does And carries that whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal's amazing in it as well, as is, oh, she, I guess I can't say she carries it, because Michael Shannon, geez. Aaron Taylor yeah. Johnson, geez. But it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's about Amy's reaction to the whole thing. Exactly, because mm-hmm. they're given so much to work with, and all that woman had to do was stare at a piece of paper and convey everything <laughs> in the friggin' world to you, and yeah. she does it, because the whole movie, her just reacting to what she is meant to be reading and it's you you see fear you see loss you see joy you see so many different things going through Mm -hmm. her mind her like phone conversations with army hammer and then the last shot of the movie Mm -hmm. yeah no words no words like the last four minutes are just amy's face and it oh my gosh it speaks volumes yeah i think it's amazing yeah so glad she won an oscar for that role Yeah, that year she won Best Supporting Actress for Nocturnal Animals and Best Lead Actress for Arrival. Like, can you, like, what a legend. Wow, good for her. So happy. Good job, Amy. Everyone knows how amazing you are and it's wonderful. And you know what? I'm so glad she and Sam won those Emmys this year. Like, good for you guys. I know. Like, she just came for everything. And I'm proud of her. (laughs) The the bitterness is real thick. (laughs) No, I just like to live in a fantasy. (laughs) All right, Kayleen. Um... Okay, I have a lot. Uh, yeah. Honorable mention is Speak. I've talked about this movie nice. before, but I think it's a good pick because the whole thing that's driving her to not speak is what makes her performance captivating, and it's Kristen Stewart in that role, and it's very sad, and you should watch it. I think it's great for young adults specifically to watch. 
Um, I guess my real answer, even though I've talked about this movie before, would be Edward Scissorhands, because he really doesn't speak... I was trying to think of other movies similar, where you have a character who's, uh, like, an alien or otherworldly, some somebody who's not... I mean, Edward is not a normal human, and that's why he doesn't speak. But I couldn't think of another one, and I think that he does a really good job of just seeming like this super innocent man who's misunderstood because he has weapons for hands. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. Awesome. All right, moving into Terminator. Terminator 2. Terminator Judgment 2. Day. Bum, bum, I didn't bum, know it had bum, a, bum. a subtitle. I thought it bum, was bum, called... Bum, 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 bum. T2, <laughs> 2, 2, 2. So before we actually get into Courtney's predictions of T2, I just wanted to give a little recap of T1, The Terminator from 1984. Just in case anyone listening hasn't seen it or hasn't seen it in a while, here's kind of just some stuff that I jotted down about the story. It's like a paragraph-ish, so here we go. There is a Terminator, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger. He is sent to kill Sarah Connor because her son, John Connor, is going to grow up to lead the human resistance against the machines in the post-apocalyptic time. The Terminator finds her in a bar. He tries to shoot her. When he does so, this other man, who is a human man, his name is Kyle Reese, he now sees the Terminator that's trying to get Sarah. So he goes to Sarah. He says, come with me if you want to live. And he saves her from the Terminator. He explains that the company Cyberdyne Systems created what will later be referred to as Skynet. Skynet is a new software out of which they will develop Terminators and nuclear weapons that are going to cause the apocalypse. Reese and Sarah end up getting arrested. This is when the Terminator comes to try to kill them, but he's denied entrance by the staff at the police station, of course. This is when we get the iconic line, I'll be back. And then in a minute or two, he crashes through the police station with a car. Reese and Sarah are able to escape because of this, um, because, you know, the whole police station is in chaos. They talk a little bit about what the future is about. This leads um, to him kind of teaching Sarah how to make explosives, how to survive on her own, because he's a soldier in the future. As this is all happening, they kind of start to get closer. They're discussing the fate of the future, and they end up making love. It's clear that Reese has fallen in love with Sarah because of all the stories that Sarah's son John tells him about Sarah in the future. And also John, her son in the future, carries around this Polaroid of her. Mm -hmm. So Reese has seen what she looks like this whole time and has kind of fallen in love with this fantasy of her. At the end of the movie, in the climax, Reese and Sarah both kill the Terminator, but Reese does die during the fight. In the final scene of the film, we see Sarah in the same outfit as she was wearing in that Polaroid that we saw that her son has of her in the future. We see she is also visibly pregnant, implying that Reese is going to be John Connor's father. So the only reason she even has John Connor as a son is because Reese was sent back to save her and then she gets pregnant. A young boy at the gas station that she's at in this outfit asks to take her picture, and he does, which makes the Polaroid that she's later going to give to her son. The boy tells her a storm is coming, to which she replies, I know. The end. So then from I know all of that, um, from what I can infer about what's going to happen next and everything, you said that John Connor is now 11. Yes. I love how this story plays with time. I, I mm-hmm. love it. It seems like it holds up as far as time travel. Mm-hmm. Seems really fun that they're playing with it, and uh, well, I guess I'm gonna go back in time and become your dad, buddy <laughs> of mine in the army. Yeah. So Sarah must know that John is going to become a soldier to, to fight yeah. Skynet and all this stuff, so maybe she's raising him in, like, kind of a 
a really um, overbearing post-apocalyptic preparation sort of situation. <laughs> I don't know if she's like a doomsdayer type mom. Because she is, obviously. She knows what's coming. So maybe she's, like, really raising her son to be super rough and tumble and uh, Boy Scouty, always be prepared. And maybe they're they're kind of living, like, in this world where they're constantly um, going through training or exercises. I don't know. Yeah. But the T-800s, Arnold, they send more of those back. Maybe a few years have passed and they've realized because time has gone on, like, we know John Connor has been born now. Mm-hmm. Now we have to go back and kill this 11-year-old, which, like, calm down. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess they were going to kill a woman before she even, like, had a child. Yeah. Seems really mean to kill a baby, <laughs> though. Like, 11, so little. Yeah. And also, it's like, how well did it work out the last time you went back in time? Turns out you just, like, pushed her in the hands of a lover. All you did was <laughs> get her pregnant. All you did was get her pregnant. Like, maybe don't go back in time. <laughs> um, so he's back, and he's his goal now is to kill John Connor. Yeah. What kind of complications do you think could go wrong? Because obviously, if John Connor does live at the end of this movie, there's got to be some kind of other plot points getting in their way. Sure. Uh, He really wants to know who his dad is, and he's always Mm. asking about that. And that's a good point, Courtney, because they are friends in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) I was telling Kimmy when we went to do this, I was like, that'd be like if one day I found out Kimmy was my mom. (laughs) <laughs> wouldn't that be fucked up that'd be hysterical I mean, I'm like super eager to hear about it it's mm-hmm. just that it's it's with sci-fi and things like that it can go anywhere Yeah. so I really don't know what's gonna happen I assume lots of action sequences Yeah. and I assume that Sarah Connor the badass that she is is going to defeat him but then again like why is he in these new ones like is it gonna be that he's turned and he no longer wants to work with Skynet mm. and because I haven't seen any of the other ones. Yeah, I have no yeah. idea why Christian Bale's involved in these. I will say that I have not watched four or five and don't think anyone on the planet needs to. Cool. <laughs> have you seen them? Uh, you know what? I think we'll give you a little bit more to guess is look at the questions we didn't end up picking. Oh, okay. The other question we came up with was uh, a character that gets taught like how to be a human. So, an, a comparison could be Edward Scissorhands. Like, he doesn't know... Right. Okay, so, the T-800s are back, and they are all metal, and they are ready to kick ass, but Arnold Schwarzenegger comes back, and he's like, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back, my bad. <laughs> and he's like, teach me your ways. Don't want to be bad. <laughs> and so she has to teach Arnold how to be a human. <laughs> That's great. So that he can go work at Skynet. And then there's, like, this really quirky 80s montage, even though this isn't from the 90s. They, like, dress him up in 80s. <laughs> they dress him up, and he, like, he's standing there, like, doing, like, a T-pose, wearing an outfit, and he's, like, shaking his head. He's, like, no. And she, and then, like, her and her son are, like, that's not the right outfit. <laughs> and they, like, <laughs> a shopping outfit. montage. It's a shopping montage. They change his outfit several times, and then he goes to apply for a job at Skynet, and all they do is look at his outfit, and he's wearing, like, a backwards hat, and they go, you're hot. <laughs> You're hired. Wow, I love it. <laughs> I can see why this one is regarded as the best. <laughs> that montage sure sounds fun. <laughs> awesome. Alright, let's do right. Before we start, I just want to say, I went back and was looking at our episodes, and this is totally going to be the one to date that I'm the most passionate about. More than other so, things? The only one that really came to this level, like, but not even, was Face Off. 
thinking about the things I've been on the explanation side of. Really? I feel like you're, like, so gung-ho about Death Becomes Her and Confessions. Well, I really liked those, but, like, But you have an emotional attachment to this one? Yeah, Confessions okay. I only watched for the podcast. I've okay. never seen it before. Like I feel this pretty I, strongly about this as well. Yeah. Anyway, so what I'm saying is if you hate it, you hate me, and that's all that there is to it. Well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Terminator 2, Judgment Day. This came out in 1991, but it is set 11 years after the first one. So it's implied that this John Connor character is going to be 11. Would you like to talk about the first bit? It movie opens. There's shots of children in the playground playing, having a great time. The sounds of the children's voices die out, but it's followed by a flash forward to Los Angeles in 2029 AD. The world has become a wasteland. The voice of Sarah Connor narrates three billion human lives ended on August 29th, 1997. She says the survivors of the nuclear fire called the war Judgment Day. The only lived to face a new nightmare, the war against the machines. That was kind of like a flash forward. Now we're back in like the present day of the film. Mm. Naked Arnold Schwarzenegger as the T-800. Mm-hmm. He's naked in the first one too, right? Yes. Yep. He descends in a flash of light and an orb. He stands up from his iconic naked crouch position. <laughs> you know, it's in all the movies. Yes. The Terminator rises to his feet and we see its red point of view Oh, eye yeah, vision yeah. processing screen as it approaches a bike bar. The bikers inside are watching <gasps> him approach. Oh my gosh! This was a deleted scene from Captain Marvel. Oh! Yay! But is she naked? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she's wearing her she's wearing her um, Kree outfit and, uh-huh. and she goes up to somebody and he like breaks his arm, doesn't he? Yeah. Yay! Oh, deleted that's scene cool. from Captain Marvel. Wow. That's <laughs> so cool. funny. Yeah, so basically what happens is he goes up to all these bikers and they're watching because he's naked, and he goes up to one of them and analyzes him and goes, yes, these will fit. So he says, clothes, boots, motorcycle. She says that. Really? (laughs) (laughs) And everyone laughs, ha ha ha, we're so tough, we would never give you that. And the guy burns his cigar on the Terminator's bare naked chest, (laughs) to which he then breaks his arm and uh, continues to beat up everybody in the bar. Love it. Mm -hmm. And then he exits the bar as <laughs> Magic the Bone starts playing. And he steps outside in his new badass motorcycle outfit and he gets on a Harley and rides away. Just like Carol Danvers. <laughs> it's so funny that they copied that movie, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Wait, how far James Marvel. Cameron? Yeah. In the city of Los Angeles, a police officer in a parking lot underneath a bridge calls in a strange electrical disturbance to headquarters. Uh, he is like, inspecting the area, and he notices this strange, like, round hole burned in the chain link fence. Mm. Uh, and he um, is approached from behind by a naked T-1000. <laughs> what the fuck? It's also a cyborg, less bulky than the Terminator. The T-1... Does it have skin? Yeah. It looks like a person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Instantly kills the officer, and he picks up the gun, and he gets in the cop uniform, and he becomes the cop. Yeah. And uh, uses the, the cop car's computer to find it, uh, the address of John Connor. So this is our first fun fact of the episode. I know you don't like to know who was cast in things before, but this one's too good not to mention. 
Sure. Billy Idol was already chosen and was going to play, like, agreed to play this role of the T-1000. Like White Wedding Boy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he got in a gnarly motorcycle accident and couldn't do it, which is ironic because the T-1000 rides a bunch of motorcycles. That's sad. Isn't that sad? He would have been so cool. Now we see John Connor and Punk Friend. And <laughs> they're working on a motorcycle. They're like these two snot-nosed kids. The mother figure comes outside of the garage and tells John to clean his room. Yeah, and we find out that these are like his foster parents. <gasps> no! Mm-hmm. She gave him up to hide him? <laughs> Sarah! <laughs> John lifts his head up and he flicks back his like A-line bad boy haircut <laughs> to reveal that he's super angsty. Mike, can I speak to the manager here? <laughs> <laughs> he uh, revs his bike so that he can't hear what she's saying. What a dick. <laughs> And his friend says, your foster parents are kind of dicks, huh? <laughs> And the boys ride off on the bike. And the foster parents kind of discuss, like, you know, we need to do something about John's behavior. This isn't really working out. And Kimmy and I had a discussion probably a little bit later in the film, but this kid actor who plays John Connor is just perfect. They got, like, the perfect kid, and, like, he just, we'll talk about it more later, but he just, like, encompasses everything that you need to for this type of a character. And then something, the thing that Kimmy was worried about spoiling for me, I looked up his IMDb because I wanted to see other things he was in so I could tell you he's going to be playing John Connor in the new movie. Fun. Isn't that, Isn't that sick? cool? How old is, what's his name? Uh, Edward uh, Furlong. Uh, we are now transferred over to a scene at Pescadero State Hospital, which is a detention center for the criminally No! Sarah! She doesn't deserve this! Yep. So Sarah Connor is in there. She has flipped her bed over and is using, like, the the bottom part of the bed to do chin-ups. Heck yeah! Me me in a mental hospital. (laughs) (laughs) She is ripped as hell. She's so ripped. Good for her. Like... I, I don't think I could physically get that rip. No. Yeah, Mackenzie Davis like, had a lot to live up it, to for yeah. this one. Yeah. She does a lot of pull-ups. Like, I know that yeah. editing happens and shit like that, but, like, if we're talking about this film as a reality, she does a shit ton of pull-ups. I'm yeah. so proud of her. And based on her arms and general physique, I would believe she could do that totally. many pull-ups. Totally. So, basically, there's this mean psychiatrist who we'll talk about more mean things he does that don't seem like real psychiatrist things, but he walks by with a group of interns and goes, this is Sarah. She's an acute schizoaffective disorder patient. They made her believe that there was this Terminator guy in a human suit. Blah, blah, blah. Like, she's crazy. She thinks her kid was fathered by a soldier from the future. That's what you want the doctor. (laughs) And then they walk by. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Fun fact, Linda Hamilton actually turned down a part in another movie after hearing a really, really simple outline from James Cameron about the plot of this movie, and her only condition was that Sarah Connor's character would have evolved from the last film, and was no longer meek and feeble waitress, and that she wanted to be crazy. She wanted to be crazy. Isn't that cool? Yeah. She was like, none of his children are the corn bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) It's like right after she got cast in Children of the Corn, she goes, listen up. (laughs) We gotta fix this. Jamesy, Bubby. (laughs) Jamesy, Bubby. (laughs) The T-1000 arrives at the home of John Connor's foster parents and asks about John. They tell him everything that he wants to know because he's in a police outfit. 
Oh, okay. And they say, John took off on a bike. And he asks for John's picture, saying he needs it to ask John some questions. The foster dad mentions to mentions that a big guy on a bike had come by earlier asking about John that morning also. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, it was Arnold, but he's good now. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> My bad. So sorry. Um, we see John breaking into an ATM with this nifty little device he has that decodes passwords I'm and sorry. pin codes and okay. stuff. And he sticks it in. It's very 90s. It's very... I'm in. in. (laughs) Um, But his little punk friend, as he's hacking into this ATM, finds that picture, that Polaroid of his mom that we've seen over and over again in his bag. And he's like, my mom's a total psycho. She got locked up because she tried to blow up a computer factory, which (laughs) is what it looked like in the end of the Terminator movie. Yes. And uh, they basically then take off for the mall because they're kids and they want to go spend all the money they just stole in the ATM. During this psychological review later that day, Sarah is kind of forced to watch a video from one of her, like, way earlier evaluations at the center. Mm-hmm. And in the video, Sarah is describing this dream that she had of a world and its children burning in a nuclear nightmare. And she's screaming and crying in the video and I looked over at Kayleen and I was like, this doesn't seem like appropriate psych- psychological therapy yeah. at all. I wrote <laughs> that note down because Kimmy was like, I don't think they would do that. They're like, look how crazy you were, crazy. <laughs> don't you want to say you're not crazy now? Like Exposure therapy. <laughs> yes. Look at you. You're so stupid and pathetic. And she's like, I feel much better now. <laughs> she's actually, like, smoking a cigarette very cool, calm, and collectedly. Yeah. And uh, the doctor stops the video, and Sarah says, you know, I'm feeling much better now. <laughs> I don't believe that the Terminators <gasps> exist They're anymore. They're going to let her go. Basically recants all the claims that she had about the factory, and she knew that she was making it all up, and that she knew that she was crazy and how she feels better now based on the treatment. Uh, and they're like, well, what about the remains from the factory of that one that you squished? Or she, They grinded one up in the last film. And she said, well, there would have been evidence when there. Mm. So obviously it's not true. And I made it up in my head. And she asks to be transferred to a minimum security ward so that she can see her son now that she's a lot better. And he's like, oh, you know what? I think you're really smart, Sarah. But you're basically telling me what I want to hear. And I know that you're not healed yet. And no, you cannot be transferred and you cannot see your son. And yeah. she fucking attacks his ass. <laughs> she jumps over the table and grabs him and she tries to strangle him before she's restrained and drugged Aww. by the orderlies. Yeah. The T-1000 goes to the mall. He bumps into that punk little friend of John's. And uh, he's like, hey, you've seen this kid? It's a picture of John, of course. And he goes, nah, dude, never seen him before in my life. And then immediately goes to John. He's like, the cops are looking for you. (laughs) So John runs out of the back door of the arcade. It's kind of like a mall service hallway, much like in the new season of Stranger Things. And he ends up getting caught between the Terminator and the T-1000. And they both have guns and they're both pointing them at him. What do you think's going to happen? Arnold says, get down. And he does. And I just imagine... The people seeing this, like, people who hadn't watched the trailer, because the trailer actually ruins it. 
But, like, watching this in the theater for the first time and going in, if you thought that Arnold was the bad guy, like, in the first one, and then yeah. to see him say get down, and then he shoots the other Terminator, it's so, so cool. amazing. It's super fun. Yeah. It must have been so cool. So, so he shoots the other Terminator, and we see that this, this T-1000 is actually made of metal, so where he got shot heals right up. And like in a little metallic-y, like melting back together type of way. Yeah, those new ones in the movie that's about to come out. Like it's yeah, much it's like what? This, what are you supposed to do with that? Exactly. Yeah. So as that's happening, uh, the Terminator grabs John and turns around. The T one thousand is shooting the crap at them, but the Terminator is protecting him with his back. Now John kind of gets to flee while the two Terminators fight each other. Here is a fun fact: <laughs> Robert Patrick, who plays the T one thousand trained in this crazy running regimen uh, while breathing only through his nose so that when he runs in the film, it appears that he's running at high speeds and not showing any signs of fatigue because he's an android. Mm -hmm. And he trained so hard that he was able to catch up to the kid, Edward Furlong, who plays John Connor, who is riding a, a dirt bike. Cool. Great Not crazy. Ease. And so he had to slow down because he was faster than the dirt bike. Wow. Isn't that, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And this guy's like a kind of a skinny guy. He's yeah. buff and stuff. Like I'm sure he had to train, of course. Yeah. But he's like, that's pretty impressive. When yeah. you're thin, you can run faster. That's true. That's <laughs> very aerodynamic. Science. <laughs> John on his bike makes it to this, like, drain canal thing that we see several times during the movie, like, when he's on the way to the mall and stuff. It's this, like, empty drainage canal. Uh, but the T-1000 stole a giant-ass truck and fucking yeets into the canal after him and is chasing <laughs> him. One and, of those, uh, like, the wash in L.A. where it's, like, the sloping down. Yeah, yeah exactly that. like that. And he's chasing him. He tries to, you know, run over John or whatever, but the Terminator captures catches up on his own motorcycle. He grabs John off of his dirt bike, puts him in front of him on his own bike, and fires some shots at the giant truck that the T-1000 is driving. This is fucking cool. So, <laughs> he has a shotgun. Arnold Schwarzenegger has, like, a shotgun. And he only is using one hand. So when he goes to cock it, he kind of does, like, a flip with it with his finger and cocks it back yeah. before he shoots again, and then he flips it again and shoots it, it again. It looks really cool. Nice. It's so sick. So Arnold is actually doing this in in the film. He learned how to flip the gun and do all the cocking tricks. He actually injured himself. It's, like, you know, really hard to do. And yeah. he would peel the, scrape the skin off of his finger, like, <laughs> while he was trying to do it and get it right. And he would often hit the kid in the head with the shotgun while he was trying to do it so much that one time he knocked the kid out. Oh, my gosh. On top of this, he's also riding a motorcycle with one hand. Can you imagine? Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger cold cocked me as a child. <laughs> <laughs> and he has he straight to... pistol whipped my ass. <laughs> I blacked to, out, I don't even remember. He has to do all this while he's, like, completely stone-faced. Yes. Yeah. So, like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, pretty great. Um, that was our governor. <laughs> that was our governor. Can you believe <laughs> wow. that? In the world. <laughs> what? <laughs> our governor pistol-whipped a 13-year-old. That's absolutely... <laughs> and I don't say this lightly. That is donkers. <laughs> like... <laughs> Why did we do that? <laughs> I don't say this lightly. That's talker. <laughs> oh, 
Yeah, guys. Honestly, <laughs> I forget about that all the time. It's <laughs> because we were so little. Yeah. So anyway, uh, when Arnold had shot the front tires of this truck as the T-1000 is chasing them, it, you know, causes him to go adrift in the truck. He crashes into a column and this giant big rig explodes. The T-1000 get out of the blaze of fire very easily, mm -hmm. but his figure is all metal looking right now. He looks like a oh. shape of a human body, but all metal. The Terminator stopped the bike to see if he was destroyed, but alas, he is not. And within seconds, his figure looks back like the cop again. Wow. The Terminator explains to John Connor that he is a T-800. The but same one. The same one that went to go fight Sarah Connor in the first one, but he's been reprogrammed and sent back from the future by future John himself to be his protector. Cute. Yeah. John says, I need to call my family. They're going to go after my family. And so he calls up his foster mom, and his foster mom gets on the phone. And she's like, where are you, John? Some people came to look for you. Why don't you come home and have dinner? We have dinner all set up. It's really nice. He's like... She's being really nice to me for some reason. The yeah. Terminator gets on the phone and mimics John's voice exactly. He goes, what's your dog's name? And he says, the it's dog's like name is Max. Yeah. So he gets back on the phone and he says, what's up with Wolfie? Why is he barking so much? And the mom on the phone goes, oh, Wolfie's fine. He's fine. So yeah. that means that it's not the real mom. <laughs> right? And when we pan out, we see that... Um, the T-1000 has, you know, morphed into the mom and has stabbed the dad. With and her freaking with sword arm. Right? Sword arm, yeah. Wow, yeah. these guys look exactly like the new ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he hangs up and he says, your foster parents are dead. Aww. He gets over it pretty quick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, as long as my male mom's okay. <laughs> um, they go back to Pescadero Hospital with Sarah Connor. Um, some new policemen show up and they show her pictures from the first Terminator movie of Arnold coming into the police station and killing all those policemen. And they say, this is photos from 1984 in the police station. Here are photos taken today at the mall. And they're like, you know something about this. And she will not speak. She is non-responsive. She won't say a goddamn word. All we see is that she slyly steals a paper clip off the table that they were using to hold all the pictures together. And they get really angry because, you know, she's been so vocal before and now she won't speak and they decide she's catatonic, send her to her room, tie her up on the bed, she sucks. She's like, do it, someone's gonna free me any second. Mm -hmm. <laughs> John now realizes that, oh my gosh, you're a Terminator, my mom was right all along, she wasn't crazy, everything's mm -hmm. real, Skynet, Cyberdyne, everything. And I gotta rescue her. I gotta get her out of that place. Terminator restrains him, and he's like, I have to protect you, and protecting Sarah is not my mission priority. Oh, mm -hmm. never mind. John says, she's a priority to me. This is the part where I just couldn't help but be overwhelmed with how adorable this kid is. Mm -hmm. Because they pick someone at just the right age. He's old enough to seem like he has an adult mannerism about him, but he still sounds like a child, and he's right at that age where his voice is cracking because he's about to go through puberty, and so it's heartbreaking when he screams things out. Yeah. So when he says, she's a priority to me, his voice cracks, and you're kind of reminded that he is just a child, even though he tries to act like an adult. Mm -hmm. He's just so perfect for this role. There's like a slight altercation with just some random dudes who John is like, help me, get this guy away from me, and they kind of check him out. 
and they re- he finds out that the Terminator has to obey everything that he orders him to do. And the dudes go away, and he orders the Terminator to come with him to help him free Sarah Connor from the facility. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. We also see in this scene, before those men escape, the Terminator attempts to kill one of them, and John is like, killing is bad! That'll come up again later. But he basically keeps being like, hey, remember when I told you about killing? Don't do it. Only a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Only the no Terminator. No, MB. <laughs> yeah. Sarah uses the paperclip, undoes herself from the restraining bed, and she uses physical violence against the psychiatric staff to escape. She's a badass, what can yeah. I say? Um, and the T-1000 is currently on his way to go and kill Sarah in the facility. John and the Terminator arrive at the hospital. All the alarms go off during Sarah's escape, which also attracts the attention of the T-1000. Sarah manages to lock out the wardens and stuff and break off the key in the door so they can't get to her. And so they had to find an alternate route. So this is probably, like, this whole little sequence we're about to see is definitely one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. Mm. Sarah finally makes it to the elevators. She's going to escape, but who walks out of the elevator but Arnold Schwarzenegger, who the last time she saw him, she was killing his ass. So she basically is seeing red, and she's stumbling away, and she now kind of looks like the wuss that she was in the first movie because she's panicking, and it's taking her back to 84, Mm -hmm. and she's freaking out and kind of stumbling and falling over as he's walking toward her, and John is calling out for her. She kind of doesn't even notice because she's so shocked by what she's seeing. She tries to get away. All the people who work at the facility finally make it to her from an alternate route. They all kind of tackle her. And John says, now that he knows the Terminator will do whatever he wants, he's like, you, you need to go save my mother. Get those people off of her. So the Terminator, because he's not allowed to kill anymore, (laughs) tosses them all off. He gets to her, but she's screaming. Now John is, like, crouching with her and, like, no, it's going to be okay. He's here to help us. It's fine, Mom. It's me. And the Terminator reaches out his hand, and he says, come with me if you want to (laughs) live. I'm sorry. It's so exciting. It's so cool. (laughs) Also, that's the halfway point. (laughs) What? It's been, like, ten minutes. (laughs) We we actually purposefully, we discussed where we were going to put it, and we purposefully put it here so that you would have more to guess. So now, so now they're all free. She knows that the Terminator's a good guy. She's now reunited with her son. What do you think is going to happen? Because now you know who the bad Terminator is. Yeah. T-1000. Um, so they're going to have a nice reunion. But <laughs> also it's going to be pretty volatile because it's like, you didn't raise me. You were crazy. Mm. I feel like he's going to be kind of bratty for some reason, okay. even though like, it, like everything she said was true. It's going to be difficult for a little bit. And then maybe she'll have, like, a hard time trusting Arnold as well. Yeah. I feel like the only way to defeat them, like, they're definitely going to come together as a group. And the way to defeat them is probably going to be to break into Skynet and then find some way to, like, shut these guys down from the inside out. Good shit, Courtney. Because, like, otherwise what? Like, Mm -hmm. you're just going to keep, like, shooting him in the face and he's going to keep regrowing a face? (laughs) Um, (laughs) That is troublesome, yes. Yeah. It is a problem we have encountered. And, like, I'm wondering, like, even how this ties into the newest one. Like, they throw him off of, like, a moving truck, like, yeah. several times. They and machine like, gun him, like, point blank. <laughs> and he's like, I'm fine. Stop doing it. It's annoying. So, like, I, I don't really know what's going to happen because, like, they have to have been growing from something. Yeah. Can you give me some leading questions? I really don't know. 
so they've initially left because they're they're obviously they're kind of running away from the T one thousand. So they've got to have some sort of plan if they're not going to go fight him. Okay, so they're going to go go to Skynet. Okay. And they're going to have to make friends with them, because I don't feel like Skynet did this on purpose. Mm-hmm. It was, like, more of an accidental thing. So it's like, here's, look at this guy, and then th- there'll be, like, a fun, like, scene where they, like, beat the shit out of Arnold, mm-hmm. and then, like, they rip off his face, and then it grows back. <laughs> and they're like, this is what you created, Skynet, and there's, like, yeah. a nerdy scientist there, and he's like, my dad. <laughs> my dad. I feel like Kimmy's face tells me I'm wrong in every regard. No, I'm surprised. <laughs> no, it's funny because the way you're saying everything is very wrong, but at the core of it, you're very right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm putting, like, a goofy twist on it. I Pretty know. Pretty much that's what it is, yeah. Well, then I win. <laughs> so they, I beat the apocalypse. <laughs> so they have to work with Skynet to, to make sure this does not happen. By using Arnold as as their main thing. And then there's going to be some sort of flaw in Arnold that will lead to the flaw in the other one. I guess let's say, if you think they're going to be friends with people at Skynet, let's give some people some names and, and how they meet them and how they, like, collab or Dr. whatever. Dr. Jacoby. Okay. He's got glasses. He sits down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he's fucking old. And he's also, like, really sarcastic and nobody really wants to deal with him. Mm-hmm. He's negative. Ooh. Before they go to Skynet, if they go to Skynet, they are going to come in contact with some other people. So let's discuss who those people are and what they do. She has no more friends, right? We don't know. We haven't seen her for 11 years. But from the first one, are all her friends dead? Yes, from the first one. Family? I don't know. You have to decide for yourself. Her dad. (laughs) Feel like there has to be another person who knows the truth. Mmm. It's going to be her, Arnold, somebody at Skynet, and then, yeah, I think one other person um, who knew about John Connor and who was, like, there when he was taken away. Yeah, they're going to get to Skynet, and I'm assuming more T-800s are coming. Okay. Well, actually, that's Arnold's 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 brand, so there's going to be more T-1000s? Okay. Scary. Also, so, though, like, how did some John programmed a T-800? He found one and programmed it to send it back. Yeah. When he's, like, the leader of the resistance. Cool. Those are some should good guesses. Just, yeah. Should we just continue? Okay. So we, we're still in the hospital. Uh, the T-1000 catches up and chases them to the elevator, but the Terminator shields them and the elevator doors close behind them, but the T-1000 uses its fucking knife hands <laughs> to pry the door open and stabby-stab through the walls and get on top. And He kind of looks like I what I imagine Isa looked like in yeah, yeah. fucking Alita Battle Angel. I, it's just like that. Yeah. yeah. The Terminator fires at point-blank range, splitting the... T-1000's head apart, it's fucking scary. And, and he, like, 91, screams. And for it looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. It's, like, it's metal in the middle, so you can see the actual metal, like, silver color, mm-hmm. but then it's skin on the outside, and it's flopped over almost like a wilting plant. Yeah. It's insane looking. Nice. Yeah. Uh, they escape and steal a car. The T-1000 morphs back together and chases them and grabs the bumper of their car. See that easily? Yeah. yeah his whole head was split in half yeah. and he's just fine. They're always on the run. It's like, there's so much high stakes with this film because yeah. you can never sit still. It's always coming. It's like, yeah. prime directive is kill these people. Yeah. After some back and forth, they get him off the car though and he can't keep up on foot. Sarah turns around and she's frantic and she's checking John for like wounds or bruises, just Aww. making sure he's okay but then immediately reprimands him for coming to get her. 
and he's kind of sad about it because he, you know, risked a lot to go get her. The Terminator didn't even want her, want him to. He's, like, trying to defend himself, and she says, you're too important for that, and I can take care of myself. And he's in the back seat pretending like he's okay, but the Terminator looks in the rear view and goes, what's wrong with your eyes? And it's clear that he's wiping away tears, and he says it's nothing. That is really sad. <laughs> That's sad. Uh, next morning, John and the Terminator are bonding over how the Terminator d- uses words like affirmative, and he's just like really robotic, obviously. Yeah. And he says, "The longer that I'm along, uh, the longer that I'm among humans, the more that I learn from them." And he goes, mm-hmm. "Oh well." You need to use better expressions. So, like, if someone asks you to do something, you say, no problemo. Or if someone's bugging you. Hasta la vista, baby! Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. But, but that's, the, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. thing. It's also funny because, like, all the phrases he says are so 91. They're no so problemo. Old. And if someone says so you... something mean to you, you say, eat me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> And then he says, yeah, and if you're leaving somebody, you say, hasta la vista, baby. Yeah. I'm so sorry I ruined that for you. That's, <laughs> That's so okay. cute. <laughs> uh, th- th- we don't have this as a fun fact on here, but I do remember seeing it. So in the um, Spanish dubbed version oh. of the film, they actually uh, change it to say sayonara, baby, to oh. <laughs> complete the integrity of the humor. That's, oh, that's super cute. cute. Yeah. I love that. Um, Sayonara, baby. <laughs> Cheerio, baby. <laughs> that was the English different. <laughs> You're not here to fuck spiders, baby. <laughs> that's Australian. Say, that's Australian. That's Australian. <laughs> I was gonna make another joke, but that was too fucking good. That's the top best that. Australian phrase that exists. Thank not you. Here Thank to you fuck very spiders. much. We're not here to fuck spiders. <laughs> After that happens, we get the scene where Sarah is asking, you know, who created Skynet, like, wondering, because this is something she's been afraid of for 11 years. So she says, like, what's going on? What's going to happen exactly? I need to know. The Terminator tells her that there's this man named Miles Bennett Dyson, who's a high-ranking engineer at Cyberdyne Systems, and he's the one who's going to event Skynet the microprocessor that will revolutionize the entire landscape of military computing. He says that basically what happens is the program goes online on August 4th, 1997, and already on August 29th, the whole system has become so smart and so self-aware that it wants to, like, live its own life. And they try to shut it down because they realize it's taking over, but the system's already too smart and says, oh, you're going to try to shut me down? I'm going to start a war on your whole universe launches missiles to Russia so that wow. Russia will retaliate and Russia fucking nukes bunch of America and who knows how much else of the world. Sarah John and the Terminator arrive at a ranch in the desert that seems abandoned. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's kind of like broken RV. Out pops a friend, Enrique. He welcomes them and tells them that they're all over the news and that they're wanted. Enrique's not thrilled to hear that Sarah has come to collect all of his stuff Guns and weapons and clothes and food and stuff and a truck. Mm-hmm. How says, does she know him? It kind of makes me... So So they talk earlier about, like, John being raised in this very on-the-run type, and I think we're going to talk so about that So he hasn't been later. in foster care for 11 whole years. No. He has not been in foster care for 11 Great. years. Great. Okay. Uh, we don't oh. know at what age he... Oh. Actually, we do. I think that they say that she's been there for six months. 
it could be gathered that yeah, maybe maybe okay, he's so she barely did, been in foster care, and so she did raise him, so they have a relationship. Yeah. It just yeah. it just oh they, they do they definitely have a relationship. It just it surprises me that it would take them that long to capture someone who's been quote crazy for eleven years. You know, yeah. But who knows? She seemed their their relationship also seems very militant. Like she has been training him his whole life to be on the run and yeah. to be resourceful because she believes all these things exist. He, yeah. he gets new foster parents. He's like, bye, noobs. Right? <laughs> you guys would never survive the apocalypse. <laughs> Look at that. You were the first ones dead. <laughs> right? <laughs> the apocalypse hasn't even happened yet. Um, but, yeah, it's... it's oh. <laughs> John talks about dudes that she would kind of sleep around with in order to get things from them or to survive. But I think that Enrique wasn't one of them. I think he was probably just a friend they met along the way who helped them in their travels. I even kind of think maybe a lot of the stuff she dropped off with him, thinking mm-hmm. he's safe. So it's maybe not all his stuff, but some of it she might have left there for the future. Mm-hmm. While they're working on, like, collecting the weapons and everything, John is talking about... He divulges all this information with the Terminator, kind of talking about how he was raised and how they were always on the move and his mom was always training him, saying he's going to grow up to be, you know, this big, strong soldier. I was right. Yeah. yeah. And um, he also says that he often wonders about his real father because he knows his real father hasn't even technically been born yet. So he does know that about him. And he thinks that his mom is still upset about him and that she's still in love with him, even though she knows they can never be together. As they're talking about this, the Terminator asks him why people cry because he says he sees his mom crying about him. And John, he's a kid. He doesn't really know how to explain it. But in kid terms, he says, well, it happens when people are hurt, but not physically. The Terminator basically says he still doesn't understand. They move on, and John starts to teach him things, like how to do a high five, and he does, like, the too slow joke, and it's kind of funny because the Terminator's mad that he did that, (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he shows him, like, how to do a thumbs up and stuff. Sarah watches them at, like, a picnic table bench from far away. She narrates, watching John with the machine, it was suddenly so clear. The Terminator would never stop, never leave him, never hurt him, Never shout at him or get drunk and hit him or say it was too busy to spend time with him. It would always be there and would die to protect him. Or all the would-be fathers who came and went over the years, this machine was the only one who measured up. In an insane world, it was the sanest choice. Isn't that sad? That's so sweet. (laughs) Yeah. Sarah's kind of observing that, and she's also kind of mindlessly carving in the picnic table she's sitting at, and I was cracking up because Kimmy just goes like really matter of fact she goes that's not your table Sarah (laughs) (laughs) and she's like carving and then she falls asleep Sarah's dreaming she finds herself in a green pasture behind a fence on the other side of the fence children are playing on the playground from the beginning of the film she also sees herself playing with a little baby she looks really happy and she's having a great time then the, our real Sarah seems to notice, like, a strange pulse, and she pounds the fence in frustration, and everybody kind of looks up, and a blinding white flash illuminates the whole area. Scary. Everybody is disintegrated and burnt alive in a very, very <laughs> lengthy yeah. and vivid scene, and Sarah's, like, body's the it's skin. like, stuck to the fence. She's stuck to the fence yeah. because of the heat. Her skin is ripped Uh, off of her. She's just a skeleton screaming (laughs) the pain and death of everybody in the universe. And then she wakes up. 
It's horrible. And then it's James like Cameron made Titanic. <laughs> it's so traumatizing. Yeah, Unreal. everything is like rains of hellfire. Yeah. Like, it's terrible. And I just look at Kimmy, I was like, well, that's true what I made it today. <laughs> that's awful. It's so scary. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Sarah wakes up. She immediately gets up out of the table and takes off, and no one knows why. She just takes off. She steals a car, she's got these guns, and she dips. Wow. John's like, wait, Mom, where are you going? Wait. With his little cracked voice. She's like, I'm affected by tons of trauma. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's so sad. And they try to stop her, but they can't. So they go over to the table where she was sitting, and they see that she was carving the words, no fate. Now, John is kind of looking at this, puzzled, and realizes that it's something that they've kind of said to each other. Uh, it's something, like, his mom kind of taught him, which I think Kyle Reese taught her, which is this, like, quote that there's no fate but what we make for ourselves. Mm. So he realizes that what she must be doing is trying to stop the apocalypse. And the Terminator is like, well, if she's trying to do that, then they must be going after Miles Dyson. The guy who created this whole thing. So they go and they take off after her in the truck they were fixing together. Uh, the Terminator suggests that Dyson's death might actually prevent the war from happening. But mm-hmm. John doesn't want to hear about it. He's like, remember? Don't you understand what I say about no killing? Yeah. You the don't ter- understand the value of human life. At the Dyson residence, Sarah sets up her gun silencer over the swimming pool. She sees Miles working on his computer, and she also sees he has a wife and a little son. At the moment of, you know, that she's about to fire, Miles' son, Danny, drives a remote car that he's playing with into Miles' foot, which makes him bend over, and the bullet misses him and hits the computer screen, alerting the whole family. Yeah. Miles takes cover behind his desk, so Sarah racks the house with rapid fire from her machine gun. Everybody's screaming and freaking out. She takes a handgun and walks through the shambles of the house. Miles sees her and makes a run for his living room, but Sarah gets him in the shoulder with the gun and he collapses to the ground. And she says she won't let him do it. She won't let him create Skynet. Um, his son runs over and blocks his dad and says, yeah. please don't kill my dad. Oh my don't gosh. kill my dad. Yeah. And the wife's there too, like touching them both. Yeah. Wow. And she is overtaken with the severity of the situation, obviously, and she slides down to the floor sobbing, what have I done? This is horrible. Mm -hmm. And just then, John and the Terminator arrive. They are very worried because they see all the glass and all the ruins of that Mm -hmm. one room, and they are like, oh, we are too late. And they walk in the front door, and John sees his mother... And he instantly goes to go help her and tells the Terminator to go help the family, make sure Dyson's okay. She is traumatized realizing what she's done, and she can't believe she's done that. Like, he has a little boy just like she does, and she's freaking out, and John is being such a good little son. And he's so young and so good at comforting her, and she finally is able to, like, take off the military cap, and she tells him that she loves him, and they embrace and say they love each other. Dyson's okay, but, like, he's bleeding a lot, so they're like, this is what you do to stop the bleeding, he'll be fine, here we go. But they're freaking out, they still don't know what's going on. Yeah. So John takes the little boy to another room to say, oh, let's go play, and leave the adults to do their adult thing, and hands the Terminator a switchblade and says, show them. And the Terminator starts to 
It's not grotesque, but it looks like it's going to be grotesque. He starts cutting his arm. Wow. So he cuts down his arm, like down the middle of his arm up to his wrist. He cuts around the back of his arm. And they're freaking out because they think these are psychopaths trying to like... <laughs> First there's self- a, an assassination attempt and a home invasion. Yeah. And a psychopath is like <laughs> chopping himself up. It's a very Freddy Krueger of him to be injuring himself yeah. like that. And then he grabs the skin from the top and rips it off. They're freaking out. But then underneath, of course, they see the robot arm. It's just a basic robot arm, but Dyson recognizes it because we saw it earlier in the facility he works in. Nice. And goes, oh shit, I get what's going on. To a degree, of course. And <laughs> he says, my bad. <laughs> oh, I get the whole thing now. I've caused the apocalypse. Let me say sincerely from the bottom of my heart, my bad. <laughs> uh, they go to the kitchen and the Terminator explains everything that we already know, basically... Um, Miles is taken aback, and he never wanted to do the end of the world. <laughs> and he says, I'll stop working there. I'll stop I was trying work- to invent, like, a Siri-type situation. <laughs> I thought Alexa would be cool. <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> he says, I'll just stop working on the processor, and I'll quit my job at Cyberdyne. But they're like, no, that's not enough, because they'll just, like, finish your work for you. It's yeah. already started. The lab has all the files. Everything needs to be destroyed. Miles tells them there's also a chip at Cyberdyne, uh, which came from the first Terminator. That's how the whole situation happened. Yeah. So them going back to save Sarah Connor actually yeah. starts what will become the creation of Cyberdyne and the but eventual But so does Kyle Reese coming back in time. Well, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. It's one of those things where you kind of just wonder at what point... I mean, this is the whole, this is the whole issue with time travel, right? Is that at what point did this start? Because, yeah. in a way, it's like the That's So Raven effect, where oh, she, entirely she sees it, but it was always going to happen, and it only happened because she saw it. Yeah. So that's kind of what this is like, is they go, oh, you're going to have a kid? Oh, you're going to die by a Terminator? Those things only happen because you sent them back. Miles offers to help them get through all the Cyberdyne security and destroy the remnants of the chip and all the traces of, of his work. The group arrives at Cyberdyne Lab Headquarters. And the guard scolds Miles for bringing visitors without special authorization, and they draw their weapons on him and restrain him in the men's bathroom. Miles explains that they need a key and and another one to. They yeah. they they so like Miles has a key and his other work friend have a key, and you have to like put them in these things at the same time yeah, and yeah. turn them that t- that type of thing. Uh, so Miles has one, but the other one is under lock and key, and he mm-hmm. can't get to it. And John. Has his little thing that we established earlier when he broke into the ATM. He's like, I got this. I got my decoder shit. I'll be fine. So the others kind of leave him to go destroy the rest of the stuff. Sarah and the Terminator are placing these giant barrels of explosive around different parts of this, like, main floor of the office where all the paperwork is and stuff. The Terminator ends up giving Miles the remote control that's going to set off the explosions and says, here's how we have to do it, whatever. John finally gets the key and enters the lab and is like, hey, did you see that there's an F-ton of police out there? And they realize they're surrounded by police and SWAT and helicopters, all that kind of shenanigans. Sarah says, you guys go deal with that and I will finish up the explosive stuff, right? Uh, And the Terminator says he will take care of the police. Don't worry, John. I won't kill him. Aw. There's a big... Explosive, crazy, grenade-throwing, gun-firing scene where the Terminator destroys all the cop cars so that the police will run away, but he won't kill anybody. Mm-hmm. They're just, like, scared and running away. Yeah. They kind of, he's, like, destroy the things they're hiding behind. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. bye. 
Um, Sarah asks Miles for the detonator, but the SWAT team bursts into the lab and they open fire. Everybody takes cover, but Miles is hit several times, like right in like vital organ areas. Oh. Um, and he sinks to the floor. Sarah looks at uh, Miles, who is mortally injured. He holds the detonator in his hand, basically saying, go, I'll take care of it. So the SWAT team now descends upon the lab. They've gotten in. A lot of the cops down below have been deterred, but the SWAT team is, you know, a little bit more feisty. And they get in, and they're about to go kill Miles, but he is having a rough time. He's going to die any second. He's doing these, like, really scary gulps of air, like, (sighs) while holding this thing over the detonator. And they all kind of approach with guns pointed at him and stuff, and he says through gasping breaths, I don't know how much longer I can hold this. The leader of the SWAT team, who I did not know this until I was looking up this, uh, like a more detailed synopsis, it's fucking Dean Norris. Who oh. plays Hank in you know Breaking what? Bad. While we were watching it, I was like, that looks a lot like Hank from yeah, Breaking Bad. because it's like his eyes. No way! That's awesome. Yeah, so it's him and he says, guys, we gotta get back. And they do, and they're probably barely down the stairs when he does inevitably die and drops the thing on the detonator, and the whole place explodes. It destroys all of the Destroys stuff. everything. Uh, the trio, John and the Terminator and Sarah, they barely escape the explosion at the bottom of the elevator. There's some more, like, back and forth between the police, the T-1000, the trio, whatever. They flee by truck. The T-1000 just keeps changing modes of transportation to try to keep up with them because it keeps morphing into new people stealing new cars or whatever, but eventually deals a big rig that is, of course, hauling a tank of liquid nitrogen. The T-1000 tries to crush the pickup against the side rail, uh, but another truck is coming up and forces it to move out of the way. Terminator tells John to take the wheel and fires (laughs) grenades at the large truck. The Terminator directs John to take the off-ramp, but, you know, the T-1000 is just hot on their trail. The Terminator grabs his rifle and climbs onto the hood of the T-1000's truck right up in his business <laughs> and empties the entire clip into the liquid android. Ooh. I'm sorry. That doesn't make sense. Like and, the android version? Like he doesn't have skin and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. That's a liquid android if I ever saw one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> this causes him to crash and the liquid nitrogen truck topples over and slides behind John and Sarah. Yeah, so they, they're all kind of like heading toward this steel factory, not intentionally, but that's just kind of where they've ended up going in the middle of wherever they are. And John and Sarah, again, they're kind of trying to pay attention to what's going on behind them, and he's also 11, so he doesn't know how to drive. Yeah. And as they're crashing, the truck behind them crashes, and it's like sliding on its side because of how fast it was going, and they all kind of collectively crash into this steel factory. Okay. The pickup truck comes to an abrupt halt inside this, like, steel factory, and the nitrogen truck comes to a screeching halt and crashes outside of the entrance. The Terminator jumps off of the liquid nitrogen truck, and it spills everywhere. Uh, As the T-1000 comes out of the wreckage, it's having a difficult time walking because liquid nitrogen Mm -hmm. freezes metal. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) 
I was like, mm, gasoline this whole time you guys have been describing it. <laughs> I just thought that earlier you would have been like, so convenient. So it's funny that now you're going, ah. Oh. No, I was like, sure, a chemical, it's going to explode. <laughs> yeah. The T-1000 keeps getting frozen, stuck to the floor. It's getting slower and slower and getting more and more frozen. so frozen that it breaks its own feet off. Mm-hmm. And then it's calves, and then it's legs, and then it Love can't it. move Ooh, anymore. What a great shot, I bet. Mm-hmm. The Terminator picks itself up off the ground, grabs his gun, points it at him, and he says, Hasta la vista, baby, and shoots the frozen android, shattering Ooh. it into a million pieces. <laughs> nice. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. <laughs> Is Arnold okay? Arnold's okay, yeah. So he's not in this liquid nitrogen mess? No, no. he's like right outside of it. Awesome. I turn to Kayleen at this point, and I she say, does. is this a good thing or a bad thing that he's in so many pieces? And yeah. Kayleen, huh. said, Kayleen said, keep fucking watching. <laughs> uh, yeah, she tried to ask me a lot of questions. I was like, okay. Um, John gets out of the truck to see that his enemy is broken into all these pieces, and he's kind of excited for about one second. But then because they're in the steel mill factory, when they crashed, there was actually, like, molten steel that kind of poured onto the floor. Because that's hot, guess who it melts? And then they form back into a monster. And is it giant? No, it's just no, the same No, it's size. the same stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, but it, 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 it forms back into, like, this blob. It's kind of going slow, but quicker than you want it to be going. And the Terminator's like, we gotta get the F out of here. And so they kind of all run to safety, and he, he tries to, like, push them away because he knows he's going to have to go back and fight this thing. There, This one part, though, I, I put a little comment. So as, as John and Sarah are kind of getting away and the Terminators need to fight each other, there's this interesting part where the Terminator slams the T-1000 into the wall, and the visual effects were, like, really shocking just because it's creative. He slams him into the wall face first, and automatically he morphs to be the other way around. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm. his face is now faced the other way and his hands and everything are faced the other way. Cool. Yeah, that was And cool. he's just ready to attack. Yeah, they have a little a little fight. He ends up trapping the Terminator's arm in this, like, little cog gear thing. So now his whole, like, robotic arm is stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, now he's going to go after the others. Sarah's also been injured. She's gotten a, a terrible bullet wound in the thigh. Ow. Which is, like, bleeding really fast. She's definitely worse for wear. Yeah. Sarah lowers John down a chain conveyor belt so that she can save him and pretty much sacrifice herself and stay behind and shoot the android so John can get away. Figures out that John's escaped, and before Sarah can reload and fire another shot, the T-1000 extends one of its fingers into a skewer and pokes through her shoulder. Mm -hmm. Stabs her. And she screams and she says, yell, oh, he says, yell for John. And she says, no. Aww. Yeah. She said, do it. Yell for him. Call him back here. And she says, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she does, but usually we say that as an exaggeration, but Sarah Connor would totally say that. Yeah. (laughs) We we see a little bit earlier that the Terminator actually kind of amputates his arm to get out of the thing he's stuck in. And he goes up there and basically saves Sarah. He grabs that other T-1000 and says, no, this is our fight, bitch, or whatever. (laughs) And now they're having a pretty intense fight where, again, T-1000 is kind of besting the Terminator and slamming this huge thing against uh, his face. So much so that the skin is coming off of Arnold's face. And now we see his robotic red eye. 
that we see in the first one as Iconic. well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're having more of a fight because the Terminator is just getting the crappy out of him. He's kind of trying to, like, army crawl his way to a grenade launcher he dropped earlier. But as he's going, the T-1000 grabs a pole and stabs it through his back. And it's so devastating to him that he kind of goes limp and his eye flickers out to black. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> Corny's got, Corny's got around Corny's not ways. impressed. <laughs> yep. John is in his hiding place. He hears his mother calling for him. So he kind of takes a couple steps out to kind of find her. It is her. And she says, help me, help me. But then another Sarah appears behind her with a shotgun. <laughs> oh, Courtney's obsession. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> she shoots the other Sarah Connor, revealing that it was the metal guy the whole time. What? What? That's crazy. Well, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because remember, Sarah would never call out for John's help. She's ain't, she ain't no little bitch. <gasps> so wussy Sarah was bad Sarah, and she, she shoots her. But why are there even two Sarahs? Because he can assume any form. I know, it's just, it's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened just now. Like, it yeah. hasn't been like that the whole time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are you ready to have your mind fucking blown, you guys? Oh, are you I, ready? Do you know this? No, I, I thought you <laughs> no, were just this, hyping up the last no, part no, of the no. movie. No, 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 this is a, a fun fact. I oh. was hiding this from you because I wanted to see yeah. it. Oh, really? And if you if you had seen it, I would have like been like, oh yeah, I found that. A but surprise? you didn't. Are you ready for this? Yeah. yeah. It blew my fucking mind. Linda Hamilton has an identical twin. What? <laughs> what? And so Leslie Hamilton plays her <laughs> on herself. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No! That is so cool. Isn't that amazing? I hope someday Jessie does that for you. She would never. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. And I was saving it for this part and also because we cut out some of the other times he takes on other people's form. But there's another instance of someone getting morphed and looking at themselves in the psychiatric hospital and they are also a twin. That's wow. awesome. Isn't that cool? That's an amazing fun fact. And I don't mean to steal your thunder, but that's like the second most mind-blowing thing that I heard this day. Like, I just can't believe like there, there's these facts that I didn't know about <laughs> actors. Because today I was listening to our nephews at Take 3 AMP, and they said that Tony Collette is Australian. Yeah, I had no idea, and I had to go fact check it, and have I watched an interview. It? I have not watched one yet. I'm so excited to I watch did one. it immediately after finding out, because I was like, this is bullshit. I was driving, and I was like, I'll crash my car. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, Linda Hamilton fact. Wow. I'm so happy for her. Right? I know. Especially because they clearly had the technology for all kinds of shenanigans. They didn't need a twin. Right? They were like, why spend the budget when we can just hire twins? And there's like these cute photos of them at the premiere together and stuff. I love it. So, the Terminator is lying lifeless where he was left earlier. His eye seems to come back to life. Its internal processing screen shows that there's an alternate power route inside the metal body. And the eye becomes fully red. Pulls the iron bar out of its body and out of the floor and grabs the grenade launcher and he's off. Nice. Sarah fires a bunch of bullets at the T-1000 and it stumbles back towards the edge of the platform where there's a bunch of molten steel below. 
she's running out of bullets. She does. She does run out of bullets. And the T-1000 starts to come closer. He's going to get them. They turn around to see the Terminator armed with a grenade launcher. He says again, get down, and fires his grenade yeah. into the T-1000's gut. Gives him a look of astonishment before the grenade violently explodes inside of him. It, it completely mangles this guy. Mm-hmm. And before it can reform itself, it loses its balance and falls Screeching into a pool of molten metal, and it's like scarily like morphs into all of the people that its identity it's assumed throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. It keeps trying to morph. Maybe that'll save itself. Making but, scary noises. Yeah, it's it's horrible. And finally, <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Screechy, like scary. It's finally taken down and dies. And so metal is the way to defeat metal. Yeah. yeah. More metal. More metal. More metal. <laughs> metal. James metal. Cameron chanting, more metal. <laughs> more metal and more Avatar. <laughs> um, John helps the Terminator up, and they're all looking at the molten pool of lava, and he says, hey, is that guy dead? And the Terminator goes, he is terminated. And then John pulls out the metal arm, he pulls out the chip, Throws it in the lava. Sarah is so relieved that it's over. But then, the Terminator reminds her there's still one more chip that has to be destroyed. His own. Exactly. And so he hands her the little, like, lever to push the dolly to, like, lower him down, like, off the chain. And he says, I'm not allowed to self-terminate. And he gives it to her. And, of course, John is pleading. And his very sad young boy cries... Because he's connected to him like he's his father. Yeah, it's like the only father figure he's had in his life. Yeah, and he's crying, and they hug, and the Terminator says, and he looks into his eyes as John is crying, and he says, I know now why you cry, but it is something I can never do. Oh, yikes. (laughs) (laughs) It's so fucking sad. (laughs) John... We're going to get through this. <laughs> we all start bawling. <laughs> and uh, he's looking into John's eyes, and they're hugging, and they step back, and Sarah reaches out her hand, and they shake hands to show that they've made their peace. And he grabs the chain and is lowered into the lava. As he does, though, the last thing you see is him do a thumbs up. <laughs> I was going to ask after he shakes her hand, does he high-five the kid? But oh, no, but close. Yeah. Very close. Sarah drops the remote and holds, you know, sobbing John to her shoulder. The camera flies over a highway at night as Sarah speaks the last words of the film. The unknown future rolls towards us. I face it for the first time with a sense of hope. Because if a machine, a Terminator, can learn the value of human life, Maybe we can, too. <laughs> oh, wow. Both of them are, like, hiding their eyes from me. I almost got through it. They both, like, turtled into their shirts. <laughs> it's so poignant for today's society. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, uh, good shit. <laughs> um... So, they were nominated. 
nominated for six Oscars that year. Wow. And they won four of them. So the two that they didn't win were cinematography and film editing. Nice. And the four that they did win were visual effects, makeup, sound, and sound effects editing. Good for them. Yeah. That's everything we got. Amazing. Let's rate this sucker. Let's do it. I'm ready. Ready? Three, Three two, two, one. one. Oh! oh wow, Kimmy. Kimmy and I do the same thing. Yeah. Oh, funny. Wow, Kimmy. I'm so surprised. Yeah? Really? You put yeah. it's no Titanic. Oh, my God. <laughs> I gave it an eight and said it's no Titanic. I gave it a nine, and I drew um the silver man being burned in the lava. Oh. And Kimmy gave it. I gave it a ten, you guys. I'm wow. so surprised. That's so nice. In a, in a happy way. Yeah. Wow. But also, Kimmy and I both, the, the circle at the top of the eight and Kimmy's circle for the O, or the ten, we both do a little red eye. Yeah, yeah. really cute. Okay, Love well, it. you haven't seen this, Courtney, so you go first. It sounds amazing. It really sounds like a, an incredible film. I just think I'm going to have a hard time getting on board with some of the, the 90s aspects of it. Mm. And also, this isn't my cup of tea, this action-based sort of movie. Um, but for what it is, it sounds incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because I was not the biggest fan of the first one. Like, I saw it, and I said, good. Good oh, job. Yeah. Good job, movie. Um, but this one, it sounds like it's got way more heart to it. It sounds like it's got really well-developed characters. It sounds like a great twist to just see the Terminator come on screen and have him be something different than what he was. Mm-hmm. So for that, I you know I would bump it up from like a 7 or something. And I'm excited to watch it. And maybe it will be a 9 or a 10 for me. Yeah. But like I said, it's no Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to go James Cameron. Go James Cameron all the way. <laughs> I actually, like, went through a lot of ratings in my head. Before we started this, I almost was like, Kayleen, you need to step back for a second, be non-biased, give it an 8.5, because it's old. But then I was like, no, this movie fucking rocks, give it a 9. But then, after we just did this explanation, and I, like, teared up at the end, I was like, dude, you need to give this a 9.5. Anyway, I settled in the middle at the 9. Good for you. It was a big internal struggle. That's some restraint. (laughs) Woo! Basically, the only reasons I didn't give it a 10, and this is very interesting because I did grow up, not grow up, but like I watched all these films repeatedly when I was younger, and I've seen them all several times, and as a kid, I still stuck onto the fact that I liked the first one the best, and now that I'm older, I know about how the second one is typically renowned as better. Yeah. And watching this movie for the first time from an analytical standpoint, I totally see why. And just with all those really heartwarming quotes we said, and all the amazing jaw-dropping callbacks they make to the first one, and just how they develop the character of the Terminator, who is essentially not even a character. Like, he's not going to remember what he was like in Mm -hmm. The Terminator, the first one. But they just play with it so well that it's, like, I I couldn't give it an 8.5. I had to give it more. The only places that it, it didn't get a 10 for me is that they do kind of use some of the gimmicks of the first one to to create jaw-dropping moments. Um, and I don't mean that with the come with me if you want to live, but, like, there's a part we cut out where he pretty much recreates the entire I'll be back scene. Mm. And he leaves and goes and crashes a car through the, the store, which we've already seen. And it's cool to see it again, but it's kind of like... Like how in Back to the Future too, how everything gets repeated, which is probably why I like it, but it's it's yeah. gimmicky, you know? Yeah. It's there to go get it. Um, and it is a little bit dated, but I love stuff that's dated, so 
those were my only things that knocked it down from a perfect 10. Wow. Perfect 10, what do you have to say? I've only seen the first one one time. I don't even believe I saw it all the way through. So Mm -hmm. I haven't analyzed it as heavily. And this was my first time seeing this one. And I was really taken by everything, all the surprises. Like, I was surprised by every twist and turn. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, no. (laughs) I was very vocal. Um, audience member, which Kayleen was really excited yeah. about. <laughs> and I really did love the heart. Analyzing it more and doing this discussion, I think, made me realize its value currently more than mm-hmm. I did watching it, which was so amazing. Like, it really is a story that's timeless. Yeah. And um, I thought to myself, I'm going to give it a nine because of the kind of, like, old-timey stuff. But then I was like... This movie is, that's kind of part of it, mm-hmm. you know? And when it came out, it wasn't old-timey. It was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And nobody thought that it was, you know, gimmicky or that the 90s stuff was so corny or whatever. So I kind of forgave it that, and I just really liked it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so happy. Yeah, it was good. All I right. can't wait to watch it. Yeah, cool. I'm excited about that too. So, adding to my watch list, uh, I was going to try to think of something different, but this is just too predictable, and I wanted to say it also because I discovered something today. So, I'm going to add Terminator Dark Fate to my watch list, because it comes out, hopefully, the day that we are posting this, or if not, like, a couple days later. Um, And I just got really excited because I realized, and this is total coincidence, but that I will be back home for a few days when this comes out. So I can go see it with my stepdad, who's the one who, like, showed me all these movies. And that's very exciting. So I'm stoked about that. Um, And then for my recommendation, I was trying to think of something from this era that's of a similar vibe. I was thinking, since Christmas is coming up soon, what better movie to recommend than Die Hard? Oh, nice. Very Any of them. Well, I... I haven't seen the fifth one, but I'm still a fan of four. For all the four haters out there, I still like four. Um, but number one specifically, and number two is also still set it's all about in the four. Christmas time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, go check out Die Hard if you haven't, or just relive it, because it's totally a Christmas movie. For my watch list, I'm adding a couple that I've been on my watch list prior that I'm just, like, re-realizing so that I actually make the commitment. Mm. It's Ophelia and the Farewell really need to oh. see those. I need to see them before the year ends. That's, yes. But also on my watch list is Lady Macbeth with <laughs> Florence. Florence. I just want to watch more stuff before we see her in Little Women because I heard oh, that yeah. the um, first couple screenings got a lot of praise. Cool. Oh, yeah, you weren't in the room when I was telling Kayleen all the things that were said at the talkback for it. Oh. There was just some cool stuff that happened at the talkback for it. And also, I didn't mention this in our What Did You Watch this week, but I am only one, two three and a half things away from having seen everything Florence has been in. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> She's really not in that many things. She's in 15 things. Oh, okay. So I have seen, like, 11 and a half. Wow. <laughs> Is half Little Drummer Girl? She no, actually. Oh, you finished that? I did. It's, oh. it's actually The Commuter. <laughs> oh. Oh. That's going to be a tougher one to finish. <laughs> I see. I see. What do you recommend, Kimmy? For my recommendation, I tried to also pick something that was in the same vein. I don't know why this popped into my brain because it's not really in the same vein. Okay. But um, I'm going to recommend Wonder Woman with Gal Gadot. Oh. Oh. Because she's a strong female character? She's a strong female character. It's a very larger-than-life type 
person. Mm-hmm. She's an Amazonian, and it has a lot of heart. I think it's a really good movie. Yeah. And it was, like, one of the better DC ones that they had come out with in a while. For sure. You know, prior to that. Um, I think it's great. And she, she is Wonder Woman. Like, she, oh, she is. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of DC... On my watch list is Ooh. Birds of Prey, yeah. because can't get enough of the promotional stills and everything that's come out for it. But also, another thing I'm adding to my watch list that I'm really intrigued by is uh, Bombshell. Yeah. Oh, I want to see that too. wait to see that. Yeah. That trailer had no words and was just like riveting. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nicole Kidman in all her wigs. Charlize did not even look like Charlize. Mm-hmm. And then Margo, like, what more do I need in an elevator? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm really excited for Bombshell. And then my my recommendation, I, I wanted to hear what you both had to say to see like if you were going full sci-fi mm. or full whatever, but Kayleen picked something nostalgic for her. Kimmy picked something kind of like way left field. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say Titanic. <laughs> because when else am I going to get to say it? Yeah. Uh, when we explain Avatar 9, maybe? Oh, God. Um, I, I absolutely love Titanic. Ask me any fun fact about it. I'll have it, like, ready to go, except for that one question about from that BuzzFeed <laughs> article. But it's amazing, and, and what a great way for James to have used his budget from yeah. following up Terminator with saying, you know what, I'm going to make the world's most expensive movie and, and have a grand old time with it, and it's going to be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, watch Titanic. It is so stunning visually and action-packed and there's like 10 terminators in it it's great (laughs) (laughs) so many t-800s you can't even handle it yeah they have to go back to the year uh, 1912 to prevent this like iceberg (laughs) thing from happening i don't know if you've heard about it it's (laughs) science fiction yeah well remember to join us next week where we will be switching formats with take three a movie podcast boys they're going to be taking on our We Explain Movies format, so make sure you're doing a double listen, and we're going to be doing three takes on the Yorgos Lanthimos film, The Lobster. It's going to be so great. I'm really excited about it. Cannot Wacky wait. fun time. Mm-hmm. Everyone do your best lobster sound as we sign off. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs>